Several times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts a teaching with the phrase, you have heard it said. He then goes on to state something that all good religious folk knew to be true. Or was it? Without hesitation, Jesus redirects the entire teaching with these words, but I say to you. He then goes on to teach them something different, which completely changes their understanding of what they previously thought to be true. Surprisingly, but unquestionably, we live in similar circumstances today. Much common knowledge we all take for granted begins with the phrase, everybody knows. Quite literally, we have heard it said for so long, we do not recognize thoughts or ideas that contradict the wisdom of God and lead us away from authentic life in Jesus Christ. Sadly, this same worldly wisdom has also infected a great deal of church teaching as well. In this podcast, the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau explores a different piece of conventional wisdom, examines what is true from a Christian point of view, and exposes how widely held common knowledge can lead us away from God. Welcome to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Well, hello. It is good to be with you today, and I want to thank you for uh, your time If you, when you choose to listen to this. Uh, you have heard it said, is what we are talking about. You have heard it said. I'm not exactly sure uh, how today's topic is going to work in this. I, um, it doesn't fit neatly into that you have heard it said sentence, uh, because, but I still want to cover the topic because I think it's important. So I'm going to say, I guess, you have heard it said that Christianity is in decline. I think that's as close as I can get to a you have heard it said sentence. You have heard it said that Christianity is in decline, right? Now then, <laughs> I have to tell you this. Um, uh, we're do- I'm doing this a little differently than I've ever done before because there's a thunderstorm going on right now uh, where I am. And so, like, um, if you hear a loud boom behind me or something like that, you can just take that as God's approval of everything that I'm saying <laughs> not don't believe that okay the truth of the matter is that would be um a thunder in the background and we'll just use those as little exclamation parts the points or little you know um reminders that the world is larger than our front porch how's that so if we're going to talk about the lord which i hope we are going to do today then let's start by talking with the lord hear my prayer heavenly father have mercy upon me a sinner and save me We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alrighty, now, several things recently have gotten my attention. And um, they are little things that they seem kind of unrelated or whatever. But as they kind of, uh, as these different things have happened or they occurred or whatever, or I, or I read or saw or whatever, um, they've sort of coalesced in my mind that and have led to this podcast that we're having today, right? The first of those things was two polls. We're going to talk about that in the first half of the podcast. There were two polls that came out before Easter or around Easter, um, and one was by Gallup and one was by Rasmussen. They were done around the same time, a week or ten days before Easter, and and um, it, it was all the polling was on Christianity, on Christian faith, on what Christians believe or what Americans believe, and this, that, and the other about what 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 we think about Easter. Okay, now I, I got to tell you this: 
I do not think that Christianity is a democracy, contrary to popular opinion. I don't agree with that at all. That Christianity is sort of a take-it-or-leave-it sort of thing. Now, you can choose to grow in it. You can choose to delve deeper into the life of Christ. You can choose to grow in virtue. You can, you can choose to be more committed to the mystery of God, but you can't change Christianity to what you want. Christianity simply is what it is. It teaches what it is, and, and there you go. It's a, it's a take-it-or-leave-it deal. Okay, so anyway, having said that, the first Rasmussen poll uh, was done in late March, and it polled uh, the number of Americans who believe in the resurrection. How many Americans believe in the resurrection? And asking questions about that, 72% of the respondents believe in the resurrection. That took me by surprise. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, they, they believe in the resurrection. They believe Jesus is the Son of God who came into the world to save our sins. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I was, I, thought, I was kind of impressed. I'm not really sure what to make of that, actually, um, because I would not have guessed that that number was so high. Uh, I was kind of surprised. But anyway, I'm, I was pleased about that. But the second poll then comes along, and this poll is a Gallup poll, and it, um, and it measures how many uh, Christians go to church, how many, how many people are affiliated. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about Christian faith or Christian belief, but instead, how many people are affiliated with a religious organization, and for the first time since 1937, I think that's about 84 years, but anyway, for the first time ever since they've been asking the question, the number fell below 50%. It was 47%, okay, 47%. Now, over the years, it's averaged 70% or so. Um, even as recently as 1999, 70% of Americans were uh, members of a church or members of a religious organization, um, the highest point was in nineteen yeah was in nineteen forty five following World War two the highest percentage of people were um were were church members <laughs> it's it's not funny but I'm gonna go what yeah there's nothing quite like a war to raise and stir the the faith within us we start looking at what's what's coming next what's what's just beyond here war will get your attention okay and we do live in a generation in which everybody under 30 or 40 is not really familiar with war at all. Certainly everybody under 30. It's really kind of scary. But anyway, these two polls together, side by side, what, what, what the, they, tell us, they tell us two very important things. Um, one, you know, they tell us that a whole host of people believe in Jesus, but they do not believe in the church. Um, in fact, to the extent that the polls are accurate, it appears that 25% of the, of the American population uh, uh, do not belong to a church or are, are even interested in a church. Not only do they not go, they believe that Jesus is the Savior, but they're not going to be part of a church. Now, not supporting an institutional religion it is, is an entirely different matter than belief in Jesus Christ. And sadly, i got to tell you, I can kind of understand that. You know, I've been a member of an institution for nearly 30 years, and I often find it quite hard to stomach. Um, and we we'll can talk about that a little bit more in the second half. That's what we're, I'm going to talk about what the church is doing right now. But, you know, it's, a, um, it's extremely frustrating. And, you know, I don't have any doubt at all that American church is in decline. But that's not quite the same thing as saying that American Christianity is in decline. Now, then, I will say uh, that... that our numbers were much higher than they are now. I mean, there, we have to, we have to. I think we have to concede that there is some decline. Even if seventy-two percent of Americans believe in Jesus Christ, and even if they uh, believe He is the Savior and the Son of God, 
I remember when it was 92%. I want to say it was like in the early 90s or uh, late 1980s, somewhere around in there, um, that the report was 92%. And church church attendance never, church membership never reached 92% in the United States. Maybe the day after 9-11 on 9-12 or the night of 9-11, the number of worship services. But, um, but that would be just a one-time event. Um, but by and large, most Americans are not, uh, I mean, there's always been a number of people, there's always been a, a break between how many people believe in, in Jesus and how many people are church members. But there's a big difference between, say, I don't know, 75 and 90 and 47 and 72. Uh, seven, one's 15 percentage points, the other's 25. There you go. That's a big difference. But still, right? The second thing that it tells us, and as well, there's, there's a second thing in the middle of this, Um is that when we look at the state of our country these days, with all the p- political posturing, with all the racial accusations, with all the conflict and division, um, it doesn't look particularly Christian, right? Um, now, I'm not sure that the news is actually an accurate uh, de- depiction of of Americans. I, I don't I don't know that everybody is as full of anger and hatred and uh, racial conflict as they make it out to be. I live in a multiracial neighborhood, and we all kind of get along. <laughs> there are so many nice people around me, and there are so many uh, good people, and there are just a ton of children. I'm one of the old ones in the neighborhood, and there are just a ton of children out there, and none of them, I'm like, let's not tell them that they're not supposed to get along because they are all having a big time, and um, and they are just as cute as they can be, and I get the biggest kick out of them. They are so fun playing outside and running and the noise they make and all the games that they do together. They are a great group of kids, and I just think we ought not to bring up the whole racial discussion to this crowd because they are all adorable and let's not create division where there doesn't need to be any because we have asians and we have hispanics and we have african-americans and we have white kids and they're all running around just having a ball um anyway they play together they do all sorts of different things it's really interesting and but but me you know when we watch the news they tell us that we all hate one another i'm going well i don't know my neighbors all seem pretty nice to me um you know one of these one of these days i'm gonna take i'm gonna talk about the racial issues here and you know what i think is legitimate but for now, I would say to you that um, we, you know, we, we see all that, and and we hear all this on the news about how bad it is, and um, you know, and it may not be that bad on, on a local level wherever you live. It's not that bad where I am, but uh, be what be that as it may, you know, so much of what does pass in Christian life in American life is not Christian. Very definitely, that would be true. So I would have to say that even if you believe in the resurrection, even if even if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and saves us from sin, the majority of us have no real understanding of what that means. And that is tragic beyond description. So the second thing that the poll shows us is that. It is the failure of the church to shape the minds of Christians. It's a failure of formation, a failure of the formation of disciples and what a disciple is and how to live. We don't, we don't know... Um, how Christians live. We don't know how to see life through uh, the eyes of God. We don't know how to see the world through the eyes of God. Um, I mean, that, if there's anything I'm about is I think we ought to be able to be distinct and understand how God dis- loves, sees this world and loves this world. Now, it's given these two things, I don't think there's any coincidence that the church is in decline. I don't think that's an accident. Um, you know, the church has not taught the Christians the meaning of the Christian faith. And if the church is not going to teach Christianity to the Christians, then the church has no reason for it to exist. 
I mean, there's, there's, what are we doing? If we're, what, what, what is the point of the church? That's a good question. But um, if Christianity is in decline, it's because of the failure of the church. Is what it is. The, the failure of the clergy, of me, of, um, of the hierarchy, whatever role that we play in that. It's a failure of us to pursue Christ seriously. You know, and I want to, I'm going I'm to use, I'm going to return. I'm going to take a break now. And when, um, when we return from the break, I want to return to this issue and pick up. We're going to take a look at what the church is doing. If the church is not teaching Christianity, what is it teaching? What are we doing as Christians? So um, let's take a break real quick because I need to get a drink of water and stuff. And we'll pick back up in just a minute. Thank you. Elizabeth will be back in just a moment. If you have questions or comments about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now to You Have Heard It Said with the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty then, welcome back. And um, I want to pick up where we left off. We was talking about the two polls. One was Gallup and one was Rasmussen. 72% of the people believe in Jesus' bodily resurrection in the United States today. And only 47% are members of a religious organization, the lowest number since they began asking the questions. Now, I can't speak to all American churches or all American denominations. I mean, I probably have some uh, suspicions about it, but I can speak to my, only, my, my own denomination. I can't speak for all the other denominations out there, but I know in the United Methodist Church what is going on uh, in here in some degree. We are trying so hard to be... Uh, relevant. We're going to prove to the whole wide world that we matter, um, and that we are, are we are in there, and we're in we're we're committed to uh, the things the world is committed to. <laughs> there are three distinct things that have happened this year uh, where this is really clear to me um, in recent months. All right, the first was, and this was some this was several months ago, but the first was there was a class on whiteness, right, and like. <laughs> It's for the white clergy. Now, in, in, in defense, they said that we could all, you know, that, that all, all clergy could attend, but this was really for white people, white clergy. I mean, like, how is that not racist? This is just for white clergy. Isn't that by definition racist? It's just about, it's all about race. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. As long as you are white, you ought to go, right? So the study was on white fragility, and I don't know if you've heard of the book, but it is a terrible book. It's full of uh, circular logic. It is, it's got historical inconsistencies. It has got all these, it just, feeds this whole narrative of systemic racism without any without any clear evidence of it and makes all these bizarre claims it's it's just a very condescending thing what it boils down to is that to be white is to be racist you are born that way and the only option you have is to grovel in apology for the rest of your life because there's no there's no i don't know there's no there's no out there's no way out okay that is a psychological dilemma that's considered very unhealthy to leave somebody to accuse somebody and say there's no way out so what they're saying is there can be no forgiveness, there can be no reconciliation, there can be nothing. There can only be groveling by white people. <laughs> well, that's helpful. Not. Okay, I think it goes without saying that I did not attend the class. They want the white people to come and attend, the clergy to attend. And I said, okay, here's an idea. I will attend the, your class on whiteness if you have all the black clergy attend a class and watch the Uncle Tom movie, right? Because the Uncle Tom movie is a, is a it, retell, it tells the history of black Americans post-slavery and what they did. And their accomplishments are 
phenomenal. It is incredible what all they accomplished for themselves. Now then, you wouldn't know that's true today because about 60 years ago, all that changed with the establishment of all of the uh, entitlement programs or whatever with all the assistance and everything. But, I mean, you know, if you look at what they, uh, the rates at which they began to learn to read following slavery, at the rates what they were able to accomplish for themselves uh, economically and the increase and the, the, the rapidity of their increase in economic growth and income and stuff during Jim Crow, during the worst discrimination, gross, horrible, um, you know, like discrimination and racism and, and a hostile environment. These are amazing people. Do we hear about those? No, we do not. But they're just some, I mean, overwhelmingly instead now we have all these poor people who are so unhappy because my, my great, 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 great grandparents were racist or whatever. I mean, they were, they were slaves. I want to go, well, you're not a slave today, honey. I mean, you know, I am not going to apologize for being white, just like I would not expect anybody to apologize for being black. Good Lord. Surely, surely there's more depth to the human being than the color of their skin. Surely there's more to their heart and soul than the than the color of their skin, but apparently not. Um, you know, no, no, not in not in the United States. That's what we're going to argue about. And the Methodist Church is on that on that um, you know bandwagon. And I'm like, well, good. I think you ought to have all the black clergy go in and watch Uncle Tom and see because they call people who don't buy into the race agenda Uncle Tom. <laughs> invite them in and have them sit down and discuss all this stuff about all these amazing people who accomplished so much average guys just live on the street average average families just average whatever and just run the mill accomplishing doing and becoming and it incenses people when you bring that up <laughs> needless to say they didn't do that and so i didn't bother to go to their seminar to tell me how awful i am because i'm white so anyway the second thing that happened Right, is that um, I got this UN newsletter, and it was sometimes I just it boggles my mind. Right, so this newsletter is heralding the wonders of uh, assisting document seekers. <laughs> I like that. I thought that was a great phrase. Document seekers. This is for document seekers, right? Document seekers. <laughs> I'm like, well, it doesn't say if they're legal or illegal document seekers. It just said I have no idea what they are. I didn't, I didn't, you know, find out about it. I didn't know anything about it, and really, you know. But um, there was there was one man who did say, well, you know, that I have my my documents. Um, I can show my face, and I couldn't do that before. I'm thinking, well. Okay, that doesn't look good for you. But, I mean, in his defense, it looked like maybe he had um, been legal when he originally entered the United States, but he was now uh, missing documents and he was no longer legal. All right, here's the important question. Now then, I don't know where you stand on the immigration issue. Um, I am not I am not for um, open borders. I think that is a dangerous, dangerous thing for us to do, not because it has anything to do with Hispanics. But it has to do with the 30% of people who come across the border who are not looking for a job but are instead uh, selling people and selling drugs. But anyway, how many of us realize that when you bring in um, – low or unskilled immigrants, especially the sort who are willing to be underpaid or easily underpaid by unscrupulous uh, uh, employers or whatever, how many of y'all realize that that depresses the job market and the wages, it lowers the wages for low and unskilled American citizens, and it impacts young black men the most? They are the hardest hit. Young African American men are the hardest hit in terms of immigration, uh, this huge influx of legal or illegal immigrants coming into the U.S. in mass. So what's it going to be in, in the church? 
What's the church going to choose? Are we pro-African-American or are we pro-Hispanic? Because you can't be both because you just got through saying, we're going to be pro-African-American. We're behind this all the way. We're going to train our clergy not to be white. We're going to to apologize for being white. We're going to change, you know, we're going to train them about how racist they are and we're going to support the black cause. And then we're going to let in all the Hispanics and take the black jobs. Then we're going to let all these uh, people over here and we're going to thwart all the young black men that who are trying to earn a living and support themselves and support their families. We're going to cut them. I'm <laughs> going, yeah, okay. So my, that's my whole point. The church is trying to prove, you know, uh, prove itself. It's trying to take positions and, and have a voice in society. And, and it's not adequately prepared to do that. It, it doesn't think things through. And we're trying to engage in ministry in prominent social causes to show that we are relevant in the United States today. We are relevant among Americans, and we lack sufficient knowledge. Of com- These are complex issues. They're political, highly charged political issues. They are they are economic issues, and Lord knows the church is not economically wise. I mean, the church is not made up of economists. How's that? But I mean, you know, I'm not saying the church misuses money. I just don't. I just don't think it's very. Um, what am I saying? It's not astute economically, so to speak. And it's not supposed to be. It is supposed to be in service and in ministry to the world. I'm not. I would not. I'm, that's not my accusation. All right. But I mean, we do lack sufficient knowledge about these about these complex issues. All right. The third thing that got my attention, this is the third, um, was an email from the General Church. I just love this. When it comes in from the hierarchy of the General Church, you know, nameless, uh, you know, faceless names that just say, oh, here's what we know, blah, blah, blah. And it's about Earth Day. All right, okay. Now, that church, the church, of course, you know, is a bastion of uh, scientific authority, not... Right, and so this 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 email that I get is we are committed to net zero emissions, our net zero greenhouse gases, this that and the other. One, well, congratulations because what are you gonna do? Have the clergy drive um, electric cars? Is that your plan? Anyway, so they're saying all this stuff and and, and talking about how that. What are they gonna do and sitting up there? I mean, they're not gonna cut down trees. They're gonna do electronic stuff. Everybody does everything electronically anyway, um, and then and then. What else did it say? Um, I don't know. What are you going to do? Have clergy drive electric cars only because electric cars don't use, um, you know, uh, gas, although gas to transport electricity is very high. Anyway, God forbid that we have any real clue what we're talking about when we do these things. So anyway, but in this in this email, it says, scientists agree. Now, that's not true. All scientists don't agree. But they say, scientists agree that, you know, we have that we have global warming and it's a it's a big danger to the to the globe. I'm like, I can't. I don't even know where to start with that. There's so many things wrong with that statement. But anyway, they believe all this and they're saying that scientists agree. First of all, not only is that not true, but first of all, science is an exploratory discipline. It is not a consensus discipline. It is a it's a field of study. It is a discipline. Um, you don't agree with one another. You repeat experiments and confirm data and review data, or you con- you offer contradictory data. But you don't vote on science. It's kind of like Christianity. This is a democracy. We're going to vote and decide what we believe. This is science. We're going to vote and decide what we believe. No, that's not how science works. You know, I mean, science is an exploratory. You need to explore all the data. You need to explore. You know, repeat experiments. Isn't that what the scientific method is? More importantly, however, I think. You know, this is coming from the church. Much of what constitutes environmentalism today is religious in nature, and it's intentionally so. I mean, it's sort of become the religion of atheists and agnostics. It certainly is that in Europe, and it's certain. And, it, and you know, what's good for Europe is good for America, apparently, because it's coming over this way. 
you know, we were following in their foot in their footsteps. It's a, it's 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 become a religion for, and, and we're touting that coming out of the general church. Um, yay, we're environmentalist religion, you know, for pagans and for atheists and agnostics. It all I could think was it's a trifecta. Congratulations, Methodism is the now a a pseudonym for Democrat. I am so excited to be a part of that, and we're going to take our causes and in the name of Jesus, irrespective of what Jesus might think. I got to tell you, I do not think there's a snowball's chance. Um, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Jesus would take an entire class of people and say to them, "I believe you ought to be victims for all time." They're made in the image of God. Human beings are. You know, it's it's really really boggles the mind. So anyway, I want to sh- I want to close by sharing a story. It is a it is a, a, an important story in my in my development. It happened some years ago. I went um, I went to Thanksgiving. I, w- I was flying, and I went to Thanksgiving with some family members, and um, I had a. Uh, funeral that I had to do, and so I had to change my flight at the last minute, and I flew all over Kingdom Come, and so I get there, and we're going to go to um, have Thanksgiving dinner with another with a couple that belong that I did not know. They were friends with my family members, so we went, and um, oh, we had nice dinners, lovely people, you know, and uh, I went out to the back, you know, like um, the back porch. It wasn't a porch because it was a, uh, it was a, it was a in the trees was fenced in and it was kind of a veranda deal but it was you know um on the on the second floor or something but anyway so i went out there and it was this beautiful area surrounded by woods and it was it was just lovely and honestly i went out there to bum a cigarette from the man because that was back in the days when i smoked or i you know i don't smoke any longer but i did way back then this was years ago so i went and um i was sitting there and visiting him he goes so you're like a pastor right and I said, yes, that's what that's what I do. And uh, he said, uh, oh, why would anybody be a pastor? I'm like, well, um, he said, what does a pastor do? Why, what what use do we have for pastors? And I can remember being so shocked. I said, well, you know, like I did a, a funeral yesterday, and that's why I'm late. Um, but anyway, so his question, what use do we have for pastors? really kind of blew my mind totally so i'm like thinking about that and um i i you know i don't i don't remember how i answered him directly but uh he told me he told me a story about the guy down the street there's a little church non-denominational church where some guy had been a drummer for a band a band i didn't remember i mean a band at the time i knew who they were but i didn't remember i don't remember it now but um the guy quit being a drummer for them to be a pastor and he's like what a waste he had all that talent and now he's down there being a pastor you know, and, I, and so I thought about that, and I was like, wow, that's just really bizarre. And so by the, I, I thought about it for the next few days, and as I, as I was flying home, I remember it was dark. And I was flying home and um, looking out the window, and I'm praying about it going, you know, Lord, what what is it? You know, what what is the point? Why would anybody, you know, wh- wh- why does the world need pastors? You know, what, 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 how, are we, how am I supposed to answer that question? I didn't doubt that the world does need pastors, but I'm thinking, how do I answer the question? And what, and what came to me so clearly, so obviously, right, is that the only thing we have to offer is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what the church offers. 
Jesus Christ. I mean, you can offer a great, say, children's program, but there are lots of good children's programs, and there are lots of good daycares out there. There are lots of good places for your children to go. You can offer great stuff for uh, uh, youth or for um, uh, high school and high school students. But how are you going to compete with the schools? They have incredible programming, right? So then I'm thinking, well, all right, then you could offer, uh, what is it, for adults, you could have, you know, for fellowship, you could go to the country club for fellowship, or you could go join, you know, the the community center and participate in activities down there. You could go do different, there's all sorts of different ways to meet one another. You could, your music program at the church can be great, but it's not going to be as good as the one at the junior college or the community college down the street. It's not going to be as good as the, the chorale in large cities. It's not, The symphony is not going to come close. It doesn't matter how good it is. It can't be at a volunteer as opposed to professionals. So, I mean, what is it the church offers that is um, different from the world? And the answer to that is only Jesus Christ. Everything else that is available in the world today, uh, in the church today, can also be made available in the world, from community to child care to everything else. The only thing we have to offer is Jesus Christ. And if we are not offering Jesus Christ, then we are completely irrelevant. We have just been absorbed into the world, and which is what I think you can see happening right now. You know, when you look at the church and go, well, why are we in decline? Because you're not offering Jesus. And we don't even understand what it is. We have to understand him as he is and accept him as he is for the salvation of our lives. And if we are not doing that, then we have nothing to offer the world. The task of the church is to bring God into the world, to bring the divine to the world, to the people, or to, or the reverse, to bring the people to the divine, to God, to the throne of God. That's our task. That's it. You know, people, I hear people say, you know, I entered ministry because I want to help people. Well, don't. You're not here to help people. The goal of the church is to advance the kingdom of God. If you're in ministry to help people, then you're in the ministry for the wrong reason. Go be a social worker. You need to be, um, if you're in the business of growing the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God on earth, you will help people in many different ways and in many different, but that's not our first task. Our first task is to expand the kingdom of God on earth, to have, to bring the light into the darkness and to, to shine the darkness and to give people hope, to be a beacon of hope and life and light and in a world that is none of those things. The last thing we need to do is try to mimic the world and say, look how important we are. We're relevant. We count. Don't, don't get rid of us. We, please include us. That's not who Jesus was, and that is not what the church is supposed to be. It's awful. Well, we deserve to decline. If we can only parrot political positions and then say, well, that's, Jesus is on my side, then we are clearly and obviously deluded. We have lost the gospel. No wonder the church is in decline. Christianity will never actually be in decline. It's growing in different parts of the world today, uh, but it will never actually be in decline because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, because he's risen from the dead. The fact that people don't know that today is beyond tragic. It's a failure of the church. But he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will reign forever and ever. So therefore, Christianity will never fully be in decline. One of the things that we take great comfort, comfort in is saying, well, you know, it says right here that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, you know, that's true. I believe that emphatically. Gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But that doesn't mean we can't stop being the church. In a lot of ways we have. 
when you pick up the political, you know, mantle or so to speak, that's kind of like blasphemous for poor Elijah and Elisha. But um, when you pick up the political mantle to support a political party, I, I think that you stop being the church and you deserve not to grow. You deserve to be in decline. On that happy note, I guess I'll stop because there's a lot of giving us plenty to think about, I hope. Are you offering Jesus? Is Christianity in decline in your heart? Is the church in decline? Well, yeah, but is Christianity in decline in you? Don't let it be because it's life. Don't let it be. It's life. Let's, let's close the word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safe to be found in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think that's all I've got for today. Um, y'all be blessed now. You hear? You have just heard the latest You Have Heard It Said podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Fees Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as Elizabeth explores and exposes yet another piece of conventional wisdom with the truth of Christ.